What's up, everybody? Welcome back. We have a great show today. We have a new guest coming on. I think you're going to be very excited because we're going to be talking about foundation and how important it is and talking about how important it is to start them when they're young. So tune in. We're going to have a great show for you today. Alright guys, thank you for downloading today's episode. Don't forget all of our episodes on Just a Parishioner are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube if you'd rather watch us. Uh, Sean could not make the podcast today, but don't worry, I am not alone. We have a new guest on with us today, and that is Teresa Marino. How are you, Teresa? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm so happy that you were able to come in. Uh, We have we have a lot to talk about today, stuff that I know that you're extremely passionate about, uh, I as well, so um, absolutely excited to get the discussion going, but if you could actually just start us and lead us off in prayer. Yes, absolutely. All right, we'll just take a minute to place ourselves in the presence of God who loves us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit. We invite you into this room and into the cars, the homes, the hearts and minds of all who are listening. Please inspire our conversation so that it glorifies you. We ask you to use whatever is discussed today to draw listeners, uh, to draw ourselves closer into your heart and to the truth of who you are and to the truth of our identity as your beloved sons and daughters. We thank you for this opportunity to use technology for for good. And please just be who you are and help us to be who who you created us to be, who you want us to be. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. All right, thanks for leading us. All sure. right, don't forget, everybody, that, uh, again, you can follow us on Instagram at Just a Parishioner or Facebook.com slash Just a Parishioner. Uh, very exciting times. Uh, every so often, we are going to be having sponsors. Um, and again, sponsors are, uh, we're looking for sponsors who are small Catholic businesses, and our first sponsor is going to be Religious Roast Coffee. Um, We'll hear about them a little bit later in the show, but definitely check them out on Instagram at Religious Roast Coffee and ReligiousRoastCoffee.com. So again, thank you to Religious Roast Coffee for being our sponsor for today's episode. Now, Teresa, let us jump into uh, what we call a little parishioner profile. Okay. Again, what we're going to be discussing today, and um, I would say is your expertise, your forte, or let's call it your passion, is, you know, working with kids of all different ages. Um, But I would love to hear about you first and your background and, you know, kind of what, if we're talking about foundation, what Mm. solidified your foundation before we're able to go out and and, and speak to others, especially... uh, kids. So yeah, let's start from the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Well, um, yeah, I mean, the beginning is, is the nuclear family, right? So for me, that's just, uh, kind of the beginning and end of my story. It's the beginning and end of the passion that I have for starting kids young and and being a part of that ministry and that evangelization effort, um, in our church right now. Um, yeah, I, I, um, my parents were faithful Catholics. They brought us to mass, um, every Sunday um, when we went on vacation, we went and we kind of made, you know, like a fun thing of, of checking out a new parish. 
Um, we know when, when we go to Disney World, like that there's a, a parish in Orlando that's like we look forward to going. And um, yeah, so it, it's just been part of my life. Um, and I went to public school. So I, I would say I, I had, um, you know, a balance of, of exposure to other influences as a young person. But um, it was kind of a, a great reason to come home with ideas that maybe weren't for mom and dad and then to, to ask them in um, they would frame it in the light of faith. Um, so yeah, I, I think that as I look back was the most invaluable influence that I've, I've really had. Um, yeah. And, and my family has, as kind of an interesting, um, relationship to the church. Mm-hmm. Um, now when you say family, I know we were talking yeah. offline a, a, a little bit. You are one of five. Yes. Right? I'm one of five. We joke t- you're the middle child. I'm the middle. It explains <laughs> a lot. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I mean, that, that's amazing. And you know, these days, I mean, I have, I have four kids. I'm mm-hmm. one of two, but I have four kids, but, right. uh, being one of five, I just love the whole big family, lots of siblings kind of aspect you know, yeah. to, to the family. There's nothing like it, really. I, I really, it teaches you so much about how you're, A, not the center of the universe. Right. <laughs> Everything that you have is shared. Um, I think there's a lot of kind of humility built into being one of many, but my my mom in particular uh, was very, very intentional about making us each feel special and unique and having our own special time. Um, one fun thing she used to do is she let, used to let us have our each our own hooky days from school so that she can have like a date with us like by herself. So we would each play hooky like once a year, you know, from school. And she would take us out to lunch or to the movies or did just like one-on-one time. Did you know when it would be or was it going to be a surprise? Um, like, you know, uh, the the, next I don't day? remember. I don't remember, <laughs> but I feel like it was kind of spontaneous. Like I think my mom saw if we were having a bad week or a bad day and, and maybe just we needed a little one-on-one, I think she would just kind of respond. Oh, that's awesome. Which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that you were, you were about to talk about the uh, special relationship that you and your family have with the church. If you yes. Dive into that a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, speaking of foundations, um, yeah, I, I feel like just my own perspective and my upbringing in the church has been very unique because, um, I have one side of the family that's extremely traditional. Um, and one side of the family that doesn't practice at all. And when I say very traditional, I mean, I grew up going only to the Latin mass. Really? It's a Latin mass yes, growing up. Um, but, but very, very traditional. Um, it's actually a part of the church that's in schism. Um, mm, okay. so yeah, so, you know, we, we grew up with, with a very, very solid foundation and, uh, uh, when it comes to, to catechesis, we knew all the answers from a young age. And that, that, um, I think is, is almost lost in our church today. Unfortunately, um, just the call and response, the answer, uh, who made you, God made me, uh, why did he make you to know, love and serve him in this world and to be happy with him forever. I feel like people are searching for those basic answers of who we are and why we're here into their sixties, seventies, you know, if they haven't had that foundation, um, but I would say it was, it was more of an internal experience of faith. It was very insular, at least in my, in my reception of that. As things came later in my teenage years, I decided to join my youth group. Um, and that was a very different expression of my same faith, but from a different angle of service of, of pouring out and it not being so within me, but, but me sharing it and, uh, evangelization began for me, um, really in high school and it has kind of never stopped, mm-hmm. um, because once, once you have the experience of sharing what God has given you, it's it's uh, it's kind of the most addicting thing 
in the world. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and wanting, wanted to take, you know, what you've learned and, and pass it on. I mean, that's the gospel speaking th- through you as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, like you said, not a traditional upbringing necessarily. No. Um, however, that's why, that's why I love this. That's, that's why I love meeting different people and getting to know how, you know, the different routes that people have taken to get them to where they are today. Yeah. And, and yeah. um, I mean, is there anything else you wanted to share about your background, your foundation? Um, because I, then I would like to jump into where you are today and, mm. and, and what you're doing. Sure. Yes. I would like to add one thing, I, I, which I think is very key, which is that my dad was the anchor of faith for my family. Mm. Um, I have a distinct memory of, um, you know, occasionally on a Saturday, a couple times a year, we'd be like watching TV and he'd kind of scoop us up and turn everything off and be like, all right, we're going to confession. And we were like, oh, <laughs> it was the worst. Yeah, But uh... it was like, it took an hour for the whole family to go and he would like be the first one in line. And I didn't realize how powerful of, of a witness it was for the man in the family. And this may sound, you know, chauvinistic to some ears, but the more that I minister in the church, the more I believe, and, and I know that the statistics bear this out as well, that if the father is leading, it is that much more, I, I think it's 80% more likely that the, that the, um, that the kids will grow up and, and maintain their religiosity as adults. It's wild because you're right. The statistics do show that, but the statistics also show a, um, uh, there, there's an interesting statistic, like X percentage that the kids continue to practice their faith when only the mom goes. Right. And then it increases dramatically when mom and dad go. Yep. Right. Um, but then it increases more when dad goes and not both parents. Interesting. Yes. Very interesting. So wow, I didn't the, know that. If yeah. it's the dad only, there's even a higher likelihood. Now, again, wow, that's me, interesting. We're, yeah. We're not urging moms to no, stay. No, no. But so at, often, at so yeah. often it's the opposite. I can't tell exactly. you. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've had this thought. And, and it's not out of judgment, it's out of observation that here's a beautiful young mom with her kids. And I just wonder, you know, where's the dad? And I, I really, I really know what what it meant to me as a young person to have my dad be leading in the faith. And um, yeah, I, if I'm being honest, I know that he he's the reason I'm here because when there were trials and tribulations in uh, you know any number of, of sections in my own faith life, whether it was in high school when I was like, you know, pushing against the family grain and, and like asking questions that every teenager asks. Right. Which every kid does. Which right. every kid does. It's totally great. It's good to have those questions be asked. Um, or whether I was in college and I was getting a lot of influences from other places. Um, yeah, I, I just that bedrock of foundation, specifically with my dad coming home and being able to ask him things and knowing that he's practicing it um, and that he can share with me from, from his own personal, um, his own, his own personal fortitude mm-hmm. and all the virtues that he's trying to instill. Um, I just know what that meant for me and in my ministry now, which I know we're going to get into, um, it's so important for me to encourage young parents together, um, to be, to be leading their children because so often, unfortunately, uh, the way things are with our church right now, a lot of times, a lot of times in my experience, the teenagers or the young kids are asking their parents to take them to church. Mm. And it's like the kids are leading the parents to church. Right. And uh, praise God that that's happening. But I just, 
don't think that's how God intended it to be. Right. Exactly. Um, and and we'll, we'll, we'll definitely, I'm di- sure we'll I get wa- into that. I want to yeah. dive into that a lot more. Yeah. Um, and, and your approach to it. I mean, you're already hinting at your approach to it, but I mean, the one thing I'll say is, and, and this isn't a secret, um, because your ministry now, you, you're a religious, uh, you're, you're a religion teacher. A right. really, um, I mean, what's the exact title? Religious education teacher? Or, yeah. I'm uh, teaching yeah. religion yeah. in a Catholic school, right? Catholic middle school. But, mm-hmm. um, historically my experience has been with, with high school kids in right. campus ministry. So, so. It, it, as, as important as your role is, you already hinted at it where your role is important, but it still might, might mean nothing right. if it's not being reinforced at home. I'm the first uh, one to say that yeah, all exactly, the time. <laughs> exactly. So right. we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more. Sure. Um, you know, you know, but I, I would like to, I would, I would like you to talk more about your background. Hmm. Um, again, you said you were, you were a religion teacher for high school students for how long? Yeah. I, I, a campus minister. So campus I let, minister, excuse I, you. no, it's okay. It's, it's a little different because I, I have absolutely different. Right? Yeah, yeah. I haven't been in the classroom with them. Um, and because of that, it's afforded me a little bit of a, of a space from like being the person who grades them and kind of, they see you as a judgmental person in their life. So it's afforded me that wiggle room of being more of like a, a big sister to accompany them and walk with them through maybe some of the more personal things. Um, so I've been very privileged and honored to kind of have that, um, that role of mentorship, especially for a lot of young women. Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's a different type of, of like apostolate towards, towards young ladies. Now, now the schools that you were in, were they co-ed? Were they? Uh, one, uh, one was all, all girls for three mm-hmm. years. And then one was co-ed for four years. Okay. Um, and then I've done a lot of parish ministry and retreat work and, uh, music ministry and volunteering in a lot of different capacities even before then. So it's been about 10 years. Could you, could yeah. you speak to the difference uh, of approach between your two roles, one in a, in a mm. co-ed school versus yeah. one with, um, girls only. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know if we, we touched on the fact that I went to public school. I think I yep. mentioned it. Yeah. Um, I was uh, super not expecting to be as impressed as I was with the, with the single sex education as mm-hmm. I was. Um, as a matter of fact, I kind of went in there thinking this is a little strange. I'm very kind of uncomfortable and un, yeah. un just familiar with this environment. Um, but I was, yeah, in, not only were you, were you in a co-ed school, you're in a co-ed public school. Exactly. So, so this was like, be, whoa, the <laughs> yeah, other direction. For real. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it was very unfamiliar to me. Um, and I, I really, I just didn't know if I saw the benefit of it. I thought it was beautiful in its own respect, but I didn't know if I like really believed that there was any extra benefit mm-hmm. after being there for three years and then working in the co-ed school. I really can say that my mind has been changed just from experience, um, in and what the, regard from a, um, from an approach perspective, sure. from an effectiveness from, from the school itself, from and, the kids themselves. Okay. So the teenagers, when they come to sit on your couch and they bring to you what's on their heart, you, you see where they are, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of lay bare, like what's, what they're carrying. And, um, when I was at the all girls school, it was mostly academic. It was mostly their struggles with, with, um, you know, academic things, uh, taking leadership roles. It was, it was, it was more like a a self, um, examination that they were coming in with. Right. And I noticed a shift almost instantaneously being in a different school where it was mostly about other people. It was mostly about boys, right? which is again, would be so normal, right? It's, there's nothing wrong with that. 
But my it, wife and I both went to public school also. COVID, yeah, obviously. And, but yeah. I don't remember like particularly thinking how distracted I was by boys. I'm sure I was. Right. Um, but I think at that, at that age, but, but I was so impressed really what it was. I was so impressed with the, at the all girls school with how focused they were on like their personal goals and, um, yeah, like, like making strides in this time, using that time really well, um, for, for really for their own personal development. And I, I didn't see that as much with, with the, with the co-ed school. It really was more dramatic. It was more drama. Um, so I don't know. I, that was a surprise to me. I didn't have any expectation of that. You know? I mean, this is, this is 100% super sexist of me. <laughs> yeah. I, my expectation was that you'd find a lot more drama with only with girls, only girls. I and mean, now this is a guy who has three daughters and yeah. I'm already seeing it. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, Oh, I thought there'd be more drama with all girls, but so, you're saying honestly, the opposite. so did I, I mean, there is a certain level of it because they're competing against each other for leadership roles yeah. or for, for, I don't know, whatever the teams are, whatever they're the, the cool thing is. Right. Um, but that, that takes place in all the schools. The, right. the level that's uniquely dramatic is like, them competing for for attention of boys, right? Exactly, and that brings it to another level. Don't yeah. don't message me. <laughs> don't, I don't want to hear it, guys. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it was just on my mind, and I'm very very upfront about yeah. this kind of stuff. Um, okay, I mean, so I mean, that's a that's a great background, and and you recently made the transition to you know reach out to middle schoolers. Now. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, what? What prompted the move? Uh, and, you know, let's talk about what you feel are going to be the biggest hurdles mm. with your approach to 10, uh, to what, 12, 11, 12, 13 year olds versus, yeah. you know, kids who are a little bit more mature in high yeah, school. Yeah. And know? for sure, there's a huge developmental difference. Absolutely. And maturity difference. Yeah. Unfortunately, the content the things they're exposed to is quite the same. Absolutely. Yeah. So that therein lies the challenge. It's been for a while too. I mean, even when we were younger, that, that was the case. Right. (laughs) It's the the exposure is just, it's all the the, same. The phones in the pocket with, with access to God, every God forsaken thing. That's different. Yeah. Is different. That's way different. Yeah. So I would say that the, the biggest challenge for me is I know I'm going to be having the same conversations in nature, but I need to have them on a level, uh, that's appropriate for where they are in maturity mm-hmm. and in their, um, you know, in their bodies, in their hearts and minds and in their experience and relationship to the world and the church, that's a very different place than four years down the road. Like even with us and we're grown adults four years ago, I was really a different person. You know, um, I, you know, I, I've had relationships since then that have changed my life. I've had experiences. I've been broken down and humbled and I've, I've grown in confidence, all different things. And that happens to them too, but it's like almost magnified. And so for me, I anticipate that being, uh, being the biggest thing because they're facing just as many difficulties. Um, but they just have less tools. They like have less tools in life. Um, I think, I think even to describe them, um, to articulate what it is that they're struggling with. And there's the added challenge of just all the the physical things that are of happening, course. you know, that so I that's actually a- <laughs> didn't even think of for a second. And the yeah. second you said, I'm like, well, you're 100% right about yeah. that. Let me <clears throat> ask you this with your experience with high schoolers. I mean, are, are there ever just kids where, 
and I know like you, you don't have to admit it if you don't want to, but it's like you're you're 17, 18 at this point, and everything I'm saying to you is going in one ear and out the other. Mm. And you're at this stage right now with our relationship or lack of relationship, you're kind of a lost cause for for, for right now. Meanwhile, mm. when you're speaking to an 11, 12, 13 year old, you they they are still more innocent than yeah. those who are in high school. Is is that for sure? Do you think that's going to play a, a factor into how you approach it, or yeah, I, I, I'm I, curious I, your your perspective on that. That's an interesting question. I've had this dialogue within myself and in prayer with God many times. Like, is it appropriate to ever say of a teenager that they're a lost cause? Because in your heart, you do feel frustrated with a lack of movement. And there can be a real obstinance that's very chosen, like they're being intentional about right. being obstinate and they have the free will to do that. And I'm, you know, if God doesn't push them, uh, who am I to do that? Yeah, so I don't know if lost <clears throat> cause was, I, I, no, no. I, I don't have a, I, I want to, I was trying to think of the term, the, the term you yeah. saw my struggle with trying to think of. No, no, no. The term, and I'm not, what I'm saying is I, I'm affirming that that is a thought that goes through your mind right. as a youth minister, because, but, and in, in schools in particular, because. It's different than parish ministry because parish ministry, they're, they're getting dropped off. It's like an extra thing they're choosing to do Right. when they're in school and you're their campus minister, they have to be there with you. So they, they may not have chosen to be there. A lot of them will tell you, I don't want to be here. My mom is forcing me to go to Catholic school or whatever. Right. So it is a different openness. And I, I would say. Or lack of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that I just, my point in, in, pointing that out was to actually say, yes, that is something <laughs> that goes through your mind. But, um, I think the difference is I always, um, I really do always go back to the, to the point. Like, I feel like they deserve to hear this, whether or not they can receive it right now. I think it's possible that I may be the only person in their world, um, because of the position that the privileged position that I'm in as a Catholic person in a Catholic place. Um, to speak courageously and truthfully through some of the confusing things that they may believe about themselves or believe about the world or the church. Um, so in those cases, and I think there will be in general a more, a deeper openness, uh, or just like, you know, sort of, a innocence. as you say, a, a yeah. more of an innocence. I, I think so. Um, but in general, with my schoolers we're talking about, right? Yeah. Well, with the high schoolers, that, that hardness, you know, right. But um, yeah, with the middle schoolers, I think there is going to be um, a, a different a different level that I can touch. Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, so again, like, what prompted what prompted you to look for a change? But actually, the roles are different. So they I, are different because you were you were campus minister yep. for seven years, but now you're actually going to be a religious education teacher in, yes. in the schools. Yeah. Um, so like you said, now it's, now it is a different role because you are going to be grading yeah. tests and you're going to be an actual teacher to them where that relationship, that sister relationship is going to be much more difficult sure. to maintain because they're a little bit younger and you're actually a teacher that, you know, has their grades <laughs> you yeah. know, in the palm of your hand. And no matter what you do to like endear yourself to them, you're still always that person, right? you know? Right. Of um, course. Well, I would say to, just to speak to your question of, of what prompted the change, yeah. um, two things. Um, I did feel called to the classroom because I felt somewhat limited in, um, in the sense that my office was always open, but they had to come in. And so unless they wanted 
to be with me, um, which was great. It's kind of like you always knew that the kids that were there were really seeking, seeking the Lord. And you were the person that put a face to that for them. Right. Um, but uh, you know, it was hard because there were kids that I wanted to reach that, um, I knew that I couldn't in the capacity I, I was serving in at the time. Um, and, and when you're a teacher for better, or for worse, you're with them every day and you, you get to know them and they get to know you. And there were there, I just, I did see a little bit of a gap between my, my like affectivity, you know, um, but what I think I can give more in a classroom being there every day. And I think I, I've said this word a lot, cause I think it's important giving them the language of the church. Uh, because even if they don't agree with the language or they don't believe the language, if they know what the real words are and they're not hearing words that are diluted from other sources, and I know that I'm giving it to them, at least that's like a seed that I've been able to plant. And in time, God will grow that. Um, other people can nourish those seeds. But um, I think I felt called to be more of a steady presence and more of a person who can give them that language over and over again and really make sure that they leave with um, the skills they need to be a, a real Christian in the world. Because right. by the time they get to high school, it's amazing how many kids don't know basic prayers. They haven't been going to the sacraments. They haven't been, had a real encounter with, with the Lord in a meaningful way. And so I kind of felt like, well, maybe if I go a step before that, maybe I can help establish the foundation. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, I, I also learned a tough lesson that, um, the environment in which you work can often be more important or more influential than the work you're doing itself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be like a, like, yeah, that's going to be a tough hurdle to get over. Right. Um, because I'm just trying to think like they're, they're going to be, if that is the case, and I think it is sometimes, then there are just days where like, I feel like I would just wake up and be like, I don't have the energy because what am I even doing? Kind of like, is, is what I'm doing yeah. even worth it? Worth it. Um, You're always sowing seeds and never reaping, right? Like right. that can be, uh, I, I would say you can feel defeated in that, which is really the devil. That's not from God. Yes. Uh, Cause you're whatever you're doing. And it, I think it's also something meant to humble us that like, okay, we don't see the immediate fruit. That doesn't mean it's not going to be there. Like right. that's maybe God doesn't give you that gratification for a reason for yourself, you know? Yeah. And you know, you know what um, it is? It's like, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that you just need to kind of circle back and realize, hey, listen, I'm not, I'm not converting hearts. It's Amen. The, it's the Holy I'm not Spirit. Doing it. It's yes. the Holy Spirit that's doing it, and I'm just, uh, I'm a conduit. Uh, I'm, I'm letting yeah. the Holy Spirit work through me. Um, so, I, I mean, I get that's mm. I, because what we're talking about now, this, this internal struggle is like, like number one, like you said, if there are seeds of doubt, that's the devil straight up. Yeah. You know. Um, but that's every evangelization effort, you know, not just as I've in come a school. To know. Yes, <laughs> as I've come that's to know. every yeah. evangelization effort that I've even run to. Like, mm. and, and again, no knock on the listeners, but there's sometimes where I'm like, we're recording these podcasts, we're putting it out there. And, and I'm so unbelievably thankful for the, you know, the listeners that we do have and people reach out all the time, but I, that doesn't mean to, you know, that doesn't mean that there are days that I'm like, man, we're putting a lot of work and effort into this. Is it even worth it? I snap myself out of that very quickly. Yeah, but you, yeah, it, it, the thought passes and you can choose to wallow or you can choose to be like, 
that that's not why I'm doing this yes. for the numbers. Right. You know? Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, and then, and then it goes back, but like, am I even reaching anybody? <laughs> no. Point, right. That's, and you know it, what? Like I said, that's why it's a tough, a tough hurdle to get over, especially in the shoes that you're going, going to be going into now. And you know what? Maybe, maybe both of us and everyone in evangelization is asking the wrong question, right? It's like, but is it, is anyone being reached? I think it's, the question is actually, but are you being called? Mm-hmm. Are you called to do this? Yes or no. Right. And it's kind of like, if, if the answer is yes, then you, then you, uh, it reminds me of a few things. It reminds me of mother Teresa. What you build today can be destroyed tomorrow. Build it anyway, mm-hmm. you know, which is really hard to do. Right. What reasonable person, what rational person builds something knowing it's going to be destroyed. That's, right. that's like ludicrous, but that's also holiness. It's also sanctity. You know, right. it's, 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 nonsensical unless there's a supernatural, um, assistance that's, that's being, um, paired with, with it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a, just a struggle in evangelization today in general, because very few people are carrying most of the weight and that's the reality, whether it's priests, you know, you have a few good priests kind of carrying the weight of the diocese on their shoulders. You have a few good parents carrying the weight of like disciplining their children on their shoulders and, you know, parents don't want to put the work in and, you know, you see that. And then the good parents kind of are like the bad guys all the time, or, you know, the young women or the young men who are trying to, um, be chased in the way that they date and they're, you know, what, whatever the thing is, however you're evangelizing with your life at that state in your life, it can feel like you're, you know, like nice guys finish last kind of thing. Right. Um, and it, and it, it is, it, you do have to kind of, um, get out of a place where you, you might despair in that and just say, you know what, but I'm called to do this and this is the right thing. And, uh, God will, um, he ultimately is, is working all things for the good. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that is a cycle at at least for me. Yeah, absolutely. That a lot of, a lot of people that I speak to in my kind of ministry circles, uh, realistically are feeling, you know, the same way. And, and being there for each other one week, you might be down and your colleague might, yeah. might, be, might be the one picking you back up and vice versa. So, yeah. you know, having, you know, making sure that you're not in it alone and having some good people to be able to, you know, confide in. I think that's important too. Oh my gosh. That's everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, let, let's, I mean, let's talk about approach now. Let's talk about, um, how you plan, uh, like, I want, want you to tell me what your approach was like in the past, mm-hmm. what you're going to take from working with high schoolers and bringing it down to the younger levels. I'm also interested Mm -hmm. to know what you've done in the past. And you'll say, I am never doing that again. I want to know what didn't work. So, you know, if you want to start with the easy one of what you are taking. Yeah, give me a second to circle back to that one. (laughs) Um, There are things I would never do again. I mean, and you really do learn, you know, you're, you're doing the best you can and, and you, uh, you know, I, (laughs) Speaking of being called, right? I mean, truly my story is one of God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Um, it's just one step. And again, this, I feel as the story of every youth minister, at least that I've ever met was like, I was invited to come give a talk. And then I was invited to come back and be like a, a team, a core team member. And then I was invited to like lead the team. And now I've been here for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's every like minister's story, you <laughs> right. know? Uh, nobody like planned to do this, but then neither did any of the apostles. They were going about their day, you know? And I, I feel like the Lord is still, still calling people to evangelization through that kind of surprise. 
um, like surprise, <laughs> this is going to be your life now, you right. know? Um, but speaking of approach, um, the approach is always to encounter the person in front of you. Um, for me, right. I feel like that's what Christ did ideally to be present to the needs of the person who's, who's with you. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I don't have like a one size fits all because every, every person's situation is so different. For sure. Um, I would say in terms of, uh, technique, like I, I always want to pray with people. I always want to again, teach them the language of prayer. How do we, how do we dialogue with God in a meaningful way? And the rote prayers are important. I, I, I don't think they're unimportant comma. And it's like the both. And, um, we need to be able to genuinely pour out from our heart. And, uh, so many people are not given that skill. And so at any point, and, and sometimes this is with my teacher colleagues, people who are older than me or my age, um, you know, that those moments happen in prayer where it's amazing. If you just ask someone like, how can, how can I pray for you today? Um, or could we pray? It could be in the faculty room. It could be over a cup of coffee. Right. Those are powerful moments. And, uh, the same with teenagers, the same with, uh, students, like, let's take a moment right now. You're holding your textbooks. It's in the middle of the hallway. And like kids remember that stuff, um, because you stopped the world and prayed with them right. and like connected them to the source of, of peace. I'm not the source of peace. So I could give them some of my own advice, but the better thing for me to do is to stop and pray right now. And it's amazing. Like people, I've never had a bad response from that ever. So, um, I think being, um, being a bridge for people to, pr to, to teach them how to pray or to help them to pray in a moment where they maybe wouldn't otherwise, that's something I find works always, um, which shouldn't surprise anybody. Right. Um, yeah, but um, things that haven't worked. <laughs> <laughs> I put you in the spot for that one. Yeah, no, but it, it's true. Um, things that haven't worked, a lot of times it's because of the, the situation. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe the right approach for a different person, but just I, I yeah. in the wrong context right, or the, right. wrong, or you or the wrong individual there. And I think tempo is important, meaning the pace with which you go with a person. Right. And sometimes the pressure's on because you have a small window. Sometimes a kid comes in during passing time and drops a bomb and you have one and a half minutes right. to like give them the truth, but also tell them like, but this really deserves a lot more conversation. Can you come back during your lunch period? I'd love to talk to you about it really with more body. Yeah. And they don't always come back. Right. So I think that's tough. Oh, it's the oh. worst. I, and they don't realize, you know, like they're asking about who they are or right. about what life means or, and these are beautiful questions that you literally are there to answer and right. help, help accompany people through. Um, but kind of in their like teenagerness, yeah. it's like, Hey, Miss Marino, like, let's talk about this. Like before I go to math class in three minutes and yeah. you're like, I would love to, but yeah. we really can't. I'm also <laughs> like, not allowed to write you late slips anymore because I got in trouble for that. So. Literally, yes. That's I'm okay. just speculating there, but it no, seemed like that's no. me. <laughs> no, it's again that that harkens back to the environment is more important than than the role. Right. Um that was yeah. So I, I want to ask it's you about that too, because like obviously you're you're going to be teaching in a Catholic school. And I was actually just listening to uh Bishop Barron from a podcast from a couple of years ago, and the topic mm -hmm. was Catholic schools. And the, the question that was asked to him is like, well, you know, what should be, what should be, what should Catholic schools be striving to do to mm. be different than public schools literally up the road? And one word, he said, Jesus. Right. And, and, and that's it. But 
unfortunately, that is not like we're talking about the environment, right? And 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 difficult environments. And again, mm-hmm. this isn't a knock on former employers of yours or current employers, um, but just it's it's no secret that there are Catholic schools in the country and Catholic schools in in New York that just they're striving for for not that. Right. They're just striving to be better at academics <laughs> or or this or that. But mm-hmm. I think the whole point of what Bishop Barron was saying is, you know, listen, your your top priority as a Catholic school needs to be evangelization because that is the only thing that will truly differentiate you right. from the public schools in your area. And that will always, always stay. And also it is by far the most important. Amen. Um, and it, it is the reason whether or not parents, uh, and some parents are less comfortable saying that's why they, they send their kid to a Catholic school. But I, I had over the years, um, Catholic schools, you know, they have like the walkthrough, like for prospective families, like, is your kid going to come to this school or that school? Um, and, uh, if ever I was part of those nights, I would always say our school cares more about getting your kid to heaven than to college. And when I was there, that was the truth, you know, because I really did. And it's not that college is not important. Trust me, your kid will get to college too. But like, it's, it's seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. It's like the virtues that your kid will learn being a good Catholic will help him get to college. I want him to be him or her to be a better person, a better Christian than a better academic. Yep. You know, but but like that's. And and there are parents that have come up and said to me, you are the first school that ever said that. And you, you have my business. You, my, I will be sending my child to your school because you're the first one who said the word heaven or the first one who said, you know, mentioned their soul. And we've, we've been on X number of like walkthroughs of other Catholic schools. Right. And there are parents that are looking for that. And they, you know, you would think they, they ought to be, but a, a lot of parents really want to hear the language of the supernatural right. because that's what they're, that's what they're looking for. Um, at least you would hope so. Right. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy you use the word business there and then you yeah. kind of corrected yourself or tried to, but I don't think, I think there's a part of it that, mm. that I think that word business is, is why schools aren't going completely gung ho with that kind of approach where listen here, faith comes first. I think there are a lot of schools that are very hesitant to take that approach because I think the fear is, well, if we, if we lead with that, mm. then we're, we're already struggling. Uh, the, there's been a huge decline in um, kids enrolling in Catholic school as it is. So if we start with that, then I know we're going to lose. I know we're going to lose the kids, but like, I think. It couldn't be further from the truth. It couldn't be further from the truth. And I think if you don't have that approach, then, then, then you're in for it. Then, okay. then you're just, then the, the, the decline is just going to continue. And at that point, you're going to close your doors anyway. So, right. so why not have that approach? The, the, the truthfully, the right approach and the, and the only approach that there should be. Right. Why, why Academic, are we doing this? <laughs> academics are important. <laughs> right. Absolutely important. But if you don't have an environment and, and the parents don't get the message that, listen, Faith comes first here. And if you don't like it, there are plenty of other private schools, sure, not Catholic schools. Sure. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's right? fine. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> but this is our, our mission. If you look on the mission statement of all these Catholic schools, a lot of them were written by nuns or priests because these places were found in the 60s when the church was super alive and growing. Right. They're beautiful. And, uh, 
you know, a lot of the mission statements or there's like a little plaque that hangs on a lot of classrooms that Jesus is the the teacher that's in this school. And I, and to be fair, um, the culture of Catholic schools has changed so much because we don't have religious running them anymore. So think of, think of a time when every teacher was a religious person, um, when the principal was a priest. Um, now it's quite the opposite. Now, um, you have all lay people who have to leave at three, three thirty because they have families, which they ought to do. That's their vocation. But it's not the same undivided heart that that started these schools. And so we're kind of uh, chugging along on like on like leaking tires to begin with. So if we're not really leaning on the grace of the sacraments, really leaning into prayer, really hiring people with dynamic, authentic, vibrant faith, it's no wonder that these are are going to be limping and kind of business wise going going in a bad direction. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a bit of a cycle. And again, I'm not the one who came up with this. I've heard this also. It's a bit of a cycle that there are less, you know, faith isn't as important in our culture as it used to be. Because of that, mm. there aren't faith-filled families. Because of the lack of faith-filled families, there are less nuns. It's a and chicken because, and egg situation, well, right? Yeah. yeah. And because there are less nuns, there are less nuns in the schools. If there are less nuns in the schools, that that means that lay people need to be teachers. Teacher, Lay people who are teachers need to get paid. Right. Nuns do not, or they right. do, but like at, at such a small rate. What happens when lay people need to be paid as teachers? Cost of tuition goes up. Sure. Cost of tuition goes up, decline in, yeah. in, in, in kids uh, being It's a enrolled. structural problem. It's not only like an individual problem. So it's just good to acknowledge that, which we do, you right. know. That being said, um, there are things that can be done, as you said, to set the tone that the faith is still the core. It's not one of the subjects. It's the most important subject. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you after my experience of working in all these schools, really that's, that's not, that's not what's considered to be true, which is a constant frustration of mine. I'll just give you a specific example, not with names, um, but with something that happened very recently Um, You know, that just in general, um, a lot of uh, schools will consider religion like an extra class. So math, English, social studies, science, those are like the core. Mm -hmm. And then religion's like kind of like sprinkles on top. And if there's going to be a need to take a child out of a class for for some special reason, they'll dip into the special classes, which religion is lumped into with music, for example, or something that doesn't seem essential. Right. Um, and, and the reason is because, um, we're, we're focusing, uh, the word essential is centered around like test oriented classes. So there are state standards and there are things that those teachers are meeting in those essential core classes. Me too. Right. Um, but like, tell me, tell me your faith doesn't matter without telling me your faith doesn't right. matter. Yeah, you know seriously. what I mean? Like I'm, you know, Johnny has, has resource room. We're going to take them out of religion and not out of math. And I, I, I understand, you know, those things are very important. And it's not that I don't understand on, on like on that level of, of how a school manages all those things. Um, but something, again, it's like a lack of perspective because, uh, you know, I, I've been, you know, I'm going to be 30 this year. I have never, and, and this is just me. I'm not saying I've never done an equation after high school, but every day I have prayed every day. I have begged God to help me with this situation or that situation. And if I didn't have a foundation in prayer, I think my life uh, could be, could be the story of a lot of my other peers who I went to public school with 
who are already divorced, who are already um, experiencing a lot of mental health issues, who are questioning their identity, who they are and whose they are. Um, these are these are more important than the these are the equations of of our of our relationship to like our existence that is so much infinitely more important than like the equation of whatever else we learned. Um, and of course you can't say that to your math teacher friend. Right. Um, but I think if we're being honest with ourselves, like I, I used to do music therapy and I worked in hospice and at the end of life, no one is asking those questions. Everyone is saying, can you sing amazing grace? Mm -hmm. Can you pray with me? And that's because these are the deepest, deepest, most important, most endless, infinite, uh, questions that can be explored in life and to Religion diminish and music, them. The, the two extracurriculars that you just mentioned. <laughs> oh yeah, the yeah. music, right? The music too. So. I know, but the things that are like there at the end, right. we so de-emphasize in the beginning and right. it's like, no, uh, no wonder, like we're all confused. It's, it's order. It's just having things in right order. Yeah. I mean, that's not to say, obviously I agree with you. That's not to say that Math and science and, and all, all and all these other subjects are not important. They're absolutely important. Well, God created those too, so let's bring God into it. Well, that's what it comes down. To. <laughs> yes. I, I have I have a friend who is a math teacher, and yeah. and he is he is devout. He's an amazing Christian, an amazing Catholic, and Man, he yeah. does his best to to try to bring his faith into math class, which is tough to do. That's what should right. Yeah, that's but why beautiful. do equations work? Like what? Like why? Why do equations work? Like God put. <laughs> like right. God put go. these formulas in place and, and they work because there's order. Why is there order? Because God is present, right? Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to science class, I mean, forget about it. Like, like there are Catholic schools where science teachers and religion teachers are, are butting heads when it's like, hey, listen, we need to be on the we same team. We are page. literally like it's, on the same team. It's, yeah. It's, 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 it's not just the same team. It, it's like you guys are you guys are quarterback and wide receiver. Like yeah. you guys are the ones who should be hooking up the most Amen. because yeah. they, they are hand in hand. Um, so mm. so maybe that's that's a great point and a great point of correction just in, in terms of the conversation and the the way that we can think about how Catholic schools could thrive is is really just um as you said, like how can we get those other subjects, uh, the the teachers of those other subjects, and this comes again back to personal faith, which is a you know its own issue. But let's say that you had an awesome Catholic math teacher, an awesome Catholic science teacher, an awesome Catholic English teacher. Maybe that's a better witness. Maybe that's more powerful because the kids are not really expecting Mister So and So to like bring God out in like right. algebra, you know. Like we were expecting of it uh, of Miss Marino, yeah, the religion not, teacher. I'm supposed to be doing that. I'm like, <laughs> but like the our English lady. teacher, you know, speaking yeah. about literature and then the beauty of it and where mm. be, the, the origins of beauty through this literature, this ancient literature, or or, or um, these passages from 300 years ago, deep seated in beauty. What is beauty? And you could always, again, I, I'm not a teacher, but like, yeah, you, you always, if if there's a way that you know we're able to just all be on the same page and circle back to God. But to your point, if faith isn't important to everybody, then, mm. then it's impossible. It's impossible to be on the same page. So what I do want to dive into in a sure. little bit is, is approaches that parents of mm. kids in Catholic schools can have, um, teachers, you know, who, who might feel the same way that you do, uh, you know, things that they can do in their day-to-day -day lives in their own environment to try to help. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I mean, administrators, like you know, like people up top who are just, uh, you know, maybe hesitant. You know, mm -hmm. I, I want to talk about those three, those three buckets 
and and think about that for a second of how we can how how you feel you would approach these three buckets again we're we're going to try to me and me and my co-host Sean say we're going to try to fix the church in 10 minutes uh I know so, but but I mean I, I'm yeah. curious to hear because you've been mm. in the schools I'm curious to hear what your perspective would be with those three buckets of um you know what's a letter that you could write or or, or, mm. or what's a way that you can approach administration or if you're administrator how can you approach your staff um to to get on the same page and what that page is, uh, Jesus first in our school, and then everything ties in, in into this message, right? Mm. Um, but before we jump into that, I, sure. I definitely want to shout out uh, our sponsor one more time. Again, it's Religious Rose Coffee. Um, so what? who are they? Religious Rose Coffee is a Catholic coffee company that seeks to help you pray without ceasing by offering your day to God in the simplest of things. Each bag of coffee is named after a different saint, and has a morning offering on the bag asking for the intercession of the saint for virtues they lived out during their life. That's so cool. That's so nice. <laughs> I would love that. What, that is so cool. It? Yeah. yeah. Uh, their, their coffee is also, uh, also ethically sourced and traded directly with the farmers, and it is at the top 3% of coffee beans. Uh, starting each day with prayer has never been so easy Aww. as you can grow closer to God and the saints as your coffee brews. That is Precious. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, what a great idea, because you know everyone drinking coffee in the morning right, so that's what I'm saying. add a little prayer in with your day right right i mean the fact that each bag has a has a different scene that, that's awesome Super cool. um so again if you want to uh, purchase a bag or check them out uh you could look at them at on uh, on instagram at religious roast coffee or you could go to www.religiousroastcoffee.com please 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 head over there amazing sponsors um honored that they are our first sponsors on the podcast but definitely check them out that's cool i'll, I'll be uh I feel I'll be like, right on top of that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. I'll be like next in the in the cart there. But I, I was just thinking as you're saying this, I feel like Catholic coffee brewers is like like the hip new thing. I there's uh there's other things that I've heard. So I kind of love this trend, you know, I like let's keep it going. And what is it about like it's something about being Catholic and, and your coffee. Catholic yeah. in your coffee, you're Catholic in your whiskey. It's just like, no, I know, or your beer, <laughs> or right? Or your beer, There's, right? <laughs> the monks brought back the beer and the wine and, oh my gosh. That's what so it good. comes down to, but the best of them. Yeah. Religious roast coffee, right? Amen, <laughs> amen. Oh man, so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm definitely going to uh, dive more into I that I have to one. say the, the beautiful like pairing with the prayer, that's really special. I haven't heard that, you yeah. know? I love that idea. That's, uh, they, I was recently listening to something about habit stacking. Like if you're trying to add a habit, stack it onto one you already have. So like if you're, I just love that oh, this kind of works, right? Yeah. So if you're already having a cup of coffee and you'd really like to work prayer more into your day, say you're driving in your car and you usually drink coffee, say a decade of the rosary or your morning offering or whatever. So like stack that habit with your coffee. So they're yeah. kind of doing that, you know? And that's a habit that everybody has. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people have. And if they do it, they're not missing that habit. That's right. That's one of the toughest Amen. to break. That's right. But, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's all good. So um, awesome. again, very thankful for them. Um, so let, let's circle back to what we were discussing before, right. uh, because listen, I'm a parent and, and mm. my eldest is going to be in kindergarten and I'm extremely excited for it. Um, and I, so I just, cool. I will, I'll be upfront. My wife and I products of public school like you, and we go back and forth. We're like, number one, like, I, I think, I think it's a Catholic school that is there, if not trending in the right direction, mm-hmm. uh, the pastor are very involved in this school. And that's amazing. And I think that's super important because there are schools that, that couldn't be further from yep. the case. That's very true. Um, so, you know what? I, I'm, I'm confident in it now. 
But it's what I was talking about before. It's there's a price tag on that that there isn't on public school. Sure. And, and we, you know, we're, we want, I mean, this is an mm. understatement of the world. We want the best for our kids, sure. but we want the best for our kids when it comes to their faith. Right. So if you're a parent, that's like, if you were a parent that was hesitant um, about how the school is being run from a faith mm. or lack of faith perspective, how would you how would you approach that? I'm curious to get your input on that. Well, it's a tough question, but well, no, for me, I, I kind of know how it is. I say you're in the driver's seat as the parents. We we touched on this before. What I do is infinitely less important than what you do. So if you're concerned that your kid is not gonna get the faith, then you should step it up as a parent. <laughs> I'm sorry that that's like really how I feel about it. Um, because there I'll just I could share so many stories of kids having beautiful, beautiful experiences. Um at school and there's this little flame that sparks and then, uh, and then you send them home and then the next day something happens. And it's like, my dad told me something, you know, I could be specific and some of them are really sad, you know? Um, I, I would just say like your domestic church is the most important, both of us being products of, of public school. I've had friends that have gone to private school, Catholic school, and we're homeschooled. And a lot of us are friends and we say that the, the common link is, is we had parents that prayed with us, mm -hmm. pray with your kids, show them what it looks like. You know, um, you, I don't know, you do everything else as, as a witness to your kids. Um, so as, as a teacher and as a youth minister and as a campus minister in all those settings, really the most vital thing I could do. And, and this is uh, part of, part of my decision to shift to pivot in ministry is I feel like there's really no such thing as youth ministry without parent ministry. Mm -hmm. um, it has to kind of be both. What What is parent ministry? Oof, like how, how would you? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, what I what I think what I think is needed, and what I'm really um, investing my heart and my time in in this new place is giving parents tools. Because, like I say, step up your game as a parent. But like that's easy for me to say, you know. Right. Um, but for for these parents who maybe don't know how to pray themselves. Um, I taught CCD in third grade and the way that I would end my class is I would invite the parents in to pray with the kids and the parents felt more awkward about praying than the kids did. Mm -hmm. I, I saw that it was like a lack of confidence, a lack of practice. Um, and if, and if the role was switched and someone was asking me, for example, to do some other life skill with my kid, like, I don't know, my kid, I really want my kid to be a good archer. Well then step it up as a parent, like show your kid how to do a bow and arrow. I'm like, but I don't have that skill. Like, I don't know how to do that. Right. Um, so just putting myself in a place of, of like compassion and, and like, if you never learned this skill in life, how could you pass it? Right. So I think in terms of like how I feel called to serve parents, parent ministry, um, spending time again, coming alongside, um, asking them, what do you need help with? How can I serve you? And, and if, if that's just showing them how to pray so that they can then model that in their family and then have some kind of a, a dialogue at home that incorporates God every day in some way that they're comfortable doing that feels natural. Um, then that I think is a great step in the right direction. It, it's, um, uh, do you listen to, um, every Nisha Bow? Have you heard of that podcast? I've or, heard of it, yeah. but I, I don't follow it. No. It's, so it, uh, one of them, he's an evangel, an evangelist down in, not evangelist. He is, uh, he's, he's a youth minister. I think okay. he's a teacher as well, but he, he's in a big parish, a big Catholic parish down in Texas. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think his wife is a religious education teacher, but not in a Catholic school, just, uh, yep. you know, for public school, mm -hmm. uh, kids. And one of the parents came up to her 
after mass and said, what are you guys doing over there? Last year, my, my, uh, my son could say the hour father and this year he can't. Oh gosh. And, and her response, it was amazing. Her response to the parent was, I'm so sorry. You don't pray the hour father at home. Wow. Like that was, that was her response. Yeah. It's like yeah. whatever youth minister has ever wanted to say. <laughs> right. But, so yeah, mm. message to, uh, Miss Marino's, uh, kids and, and the parents, listen, don't come at her. No, I'm joking. Well, don't around, come and like, yell at me if yeah. you're not doing it. That, I will say that, you yeah, know, like yeah. it's, but I just, yeah. And, and again, like the, one of the things, um, I tell the parents and the students is I want you to ask me why ask the why question. I'm never offended. I'm never, um, I'm never feeling disrespected or dishonored as like your superior, whatever. I want you to ask me, why do we say that? Or what does that mean? Or like probe for the meaning, right? Because if it doesn't mean anything to you, of course, you're not going to do it. So what I, you know, I think that's so, so important. And to have that ownership be taken. And I see that with young people. And um, I don't know, a little bit of that spark, maybe because of the decisions we make. And and in some way, we have to kind of align ourselves and justification with things that we do as parents and adults. Maybe we stop asking why. And we just kind of say, well, this is how I've chosen to live it. And um, I don't know, just like, I personally like fast for my students and their families, especially the ones that are very difficult because I know that there are like um, barriers that I can't break. Mm -hmm. Like all of them I can't break, but the ones, the ones that I feel are really without, without me in terms of like, they're outside of my capacity to kind of address this situation. Um, I'm really like, Lord, (laughs) like I need to put myself in a, in a place of creating space for you to come and be like fostering, uh, an encounter here that would be a, a breakthrough moment. Right. Um, and when you say fast, you, you literally mean fast. You mean fast. like abstaining from food and, yeah. and offering that suffering up. Right. With the intention of your, of with, with this person's name, it's you phenomenal. know? Um, yeah. I, I think that's another thing that we can, that's a very kind of traditional, very biblical practice that our Lord talked about all the time. Um, the last two April's Mays, right after Lent, I said, I'm going to fast more with, with intentions and yeah. like, come June summertime hits. And unfortunately just, for me, <laughs> just leaves I my know. head all that. Believe uh, it or not, for me, it's easier just to fast all day. Yeah. And I have come up with like the formula that works for me. Right. Um, it starts with coffee. So I'm going to have to start they, with our sponsors. Coffee. coffee. That's I know. Right. Uh, but, so they're, uh, they're getting another shout out. I they didn't know. even know that was happening. Outs. Yeah. But, um, um, I mean, like talking about parents, like, uh, mm. I think it's extremely important, and we talked about this a couple of episodes ago, Sean and I, about, you know, surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals. Yes, and community, fostering community for parents. Absolutely. Yes. And so, like, if you think that you're, which is a weird thing to think about, but if you think you're the only parent in the school that finds faith important for your family, you're absolutely not. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe try to find... Try to start, if there's nothing going, if there's no group, uh, uh, you know, for parents that is faith-oriented for the parents only, mm-hmm. maybe take it upon yourself to start one up. And, that's, and, and I'm so glad you brought that up. That's something that we're going to be doing at this place that oh, I'm working. that's awesome. Um, and we literally are focusing on parents of young families mm-hmm. like yourself. Yep. So come on, come on down. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, that's uh, a couple people. We've kind of identified that as a need and a gap in, in evangelization. Right. And so in the interest of ministering better to young people, we know that we have to minister to their parents. And in order to minister to them, they have to like, want to show up 
And, and the way to have people want to show up is for them to feel comfortable. And, um, and one thing that I know is, is like hard and you can give me advice. I would love your thoughts about this as a dad and like knowing what the grind is like kind of every day we were thinking it would, it would, um, open up young parents to come more if we provided like free childcare. So let's say some of my youth group kids, like my teenagers, babysit in the next room so that you guys can come have a beer and like be catechized on the same premises, but you can yeah. do it like free of, of that worry. That is so funny. You say that because yeah. that has been on my mind forever mm-hmm. outside of, outside of, and the it's Catholic very pro-life. School. It's like, let's minister to the family. Oh you my know? gosh. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, I, and I've been thinking about that. So number one, great idea. I thought of it first. No, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, like I was thinking about that years ago when it came to, you know, starting a ministry just in the church, outside of the school, but just in the church yeah. for like a young, um, like a young family's group. Mm-hmm. But you, you, you know, as, as parents of young children, right. you, you need, you could ask any parent who's in the pew with a screaming three-year-old or two-year-old. Like right. it, it's tough to get into of a course. state of prayer sure. um, with, you know, while, while you're taking care of kids. And I mean, it's so funny. I listened to Father Mike Schmitz and he's like, offer that up. <laughs> like like yeah. your inability to pray. I think you guys do enough fasting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> offer that up because, you know, that's a struggle as well. But I, I mean, I think that is, if you want my input, that is a phenomenal, uh, awesome. a, uh like draw to that. Like, mm-hmm. listen, like we've got it. We've got the all-stars. We've got 10 of our youth group kids here. Yeah. They are super responsible. We have pizza and we have Finding Nemo yeah, and your exactly. kids are great and for an hour. <laughs> and they're great. And they'll know, you know, if we need yes. you, we'll come get you. Exactly. We'll do our best to not. That I think that is absolutely incredible. Okay, good. Cause that's, that's what we've been workshopping in theory. And we have a couple of like potential dates picked out oh, and beautiful. We were like, Ooh, I, I, that's really where our heart is. Um, in this new place that I'm at, which just seems dynamic. It seems open to, to trying things that haven't been tried. Um, and just being led by the movement of the spirit. And so far as like, where can we respond right now to what people seem to need right now? Right. Um, so, uh, I mean, talking about just, uh, it's on the top of my head about mm-hmm. trying new things. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if it's ever been done or if it, or uh, like, so adoration I know is a thing and, yep. and, you know, having the kids come into the church and, um, having them spend a couple of minutes or however long with the blessed sacrament. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you aware, and I don't know if it, if it happens or not in your school, if the priest ever takes the monstrance into the school and, and, Ooh, and, and I love this question and, and comes through the hallway. I don't know if that's ever happened in your past. It jobs. has. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That totally depends on the priest. Right. Some priests are just have a real devotion to the Eucharist. I mean, you would think they all would, and I'm sure they, they do. But some of them really, really feel strongly like I had. For sure. I had one priest I worked with who did Eucharistic processions through the whole school while the kids were there all the time. It's awesome. And like, yeah, it was just really cool. Um, That was so beautiful. And sometimes we did it at night at at a lock-in. And it was like the light was on Jesus and he was like the light in the darkness going through the hallways. So cool. That is really, really Um, cool. Where I am now, I don't know if he does, but I I bet you he'd be open to it because he, I know that he- um, walks around with Jesus at holy hours. And, and, uh, I think that's, I, I think he'd be open to that. That's yeah. yeah. Uh, just uh, again, I again, love that idea. I, like I heard that. And I'm like, that is a phenomenal idea yeah. for, for schools, especially with, especially with elementary school, middle school kids, because they'll look at them like, what's that? Mm. Well, all, all I needed was that question. Let's talk about it. You know, Amen. Very, very cool. Ooh, speaking of questions, I wanted to circle back to, um, to, teachers and, and administration. Yeah, I was good. Yeah. Let's, let's yeah. dive into that. So I want to hear your thoughts on, right. Um, from, for, on both. 
Well, I think, I think adult, adult non-practicing Catholics are very much like teen non-practicing Catholics. They have questions that have been unanswered. Mm -hmm. And so, um, something that I think would be take a lot of courage, um, and preparation and tact and prudence, but it would be very effective would be to have something of a Q and a with like, what, like, and maybe it's, maybe it's anonymous and maybe it's in a small group setting. Maybe it's not like a big public thing. There's some way, um, for Catholic evangelizers in these schools to try to like diagnose. I'm thinking, I like, I have this image of like, you have something that's wrong with you and you don't know what it is. You go to the doctor and he said, does it hurt when I do this? How about this? And I'm going to do an MRI. I'm going to put some kind of that blue stuff in there and I'm going to see what lights up on the computer. Like we have to kind of diagnose, like what's wrong with us if we're not availing ourselves of the sacraments? Why do you not want to come be with Jesus? What is it for you? That's like not, that's not connecting. Um, I think we, we owe that to people. I don't think they're all obstinate. I think a lot of them are wounded. Like, and me, like I'm, you know, it's not an us and them. It's like, there, there are wounds um, that that hurt to touch, and sometimes we're touching people's wounds and we don't know that we are. Um, I had you, you do you know of do, uh, Dr. Edward Sree yeah. from yeah, mm-hmm. um, he he gave this little account of him and his wife like having like like going on a walk one time they were walking around the neighborhood and he like went to hold her hand and she she pulled away from him and he you know was like that's strange you know like just want to hold your hand. I thought that was a nice gesture. And he kind of like let the moment pass. So maybe she, you know, he didn't think anything of it. And then he tried again and she did it again. And he's like, all right, now I feel hurt. Like, why is my wife not wanting to hold my hand? And, um, and she said, Oh, sorry, honey. I just cut my hand. Like while we were cutting the carrots before, like literally it just hurt. (laughs) And he's like, Oh, well now that I know that I don't want to, I don't want to touch you there, you know? And they switch sides and like, okay, now we'll, but like, I feel like we do that we, we're touching people's wounds and we don't know it. And if we knew better, we wouldn't go there or we would try to help them heal. And I I feel like there is like this brokenness with our church right now. And I've spent a lot of time praying and uh, like uh, just trying to wrap my mind around how to minister to people that, um, I think the hardness of heart is like, it's like a moat around a wound around pain for people. And so a lot of times we see the obstinance, we see the stiff arm and it feels like a personal thing. Like they don't like me or they don't like the church. And I really think sometimes that's not the case. It's like, no one has been able to like go behind enemy lines and like diagnose properly. What's, what's happening in these people for whatever reason. So Um, I guess my question with that would be, so you're like, uh, you know, you're proposing, you know, putting feelers out there or Q and a or, or even or anonymous praying or, with people. Like what are, what are you struggling with? How can we, um, so you're saying at an individual level to be able to do this. I think, I think that's important. Um, I think so too. I guess yeah. my, my question was going to be, all right, you have the information. What do you do mm. with it? Well, that that just gives you, I think your, your personal in route to that person's heart. Right. And then you, I don't know, that would look very different for the person. Right. Um, but maybe you like kind of commit to like having lunch with them and just like being company, um, and over time garnering trust to, to kind of go into those places, Oh, for sure. which is a long game, you know, like evangelization is a long game and, and we want to like answer the questions and have people come, uh, come into alignment with like 
the worldview that Jesus wants for them because it's so good. Um, but I just, I, I think that's something, speaking of things I've done wrong in the past, you know, just like going too fast. And that's why I referred to the word tempo. It's like I, learning how to pace myself. Um, and you can only do that really through like partnering with God's heart for this person. Like, um, so it's very sensitive and delicate and personal. And so I think if we can, if we can offer that, that, um, sense of accompaniment to the adults in the school Mm -hmm. and they can see how it works for them, they'll want to come along, you know, with, for the ride with the mission of a Catholic school more. Did you, did you watch the Shia LaBeouf interview? Yes. You did? Yes. Yeah. So like a part that I loved, Sean mm-hmm. and I are going to do an episode on that. Please. You should totally come and, and, and talk with us about to. it. I would love to, yeah. That um, was, I like wept watching ugh. that. It was, yeah. Right was here, so actually, at, right at this bar with, without the cameras and the lights. My wife yeah. in here were sitting at this Aww. bar watching it on, on these it televisions. It was so beautiful. It's amazing. Um, but the part that, that when you were talking, the part that it reminded me of was, uh, when Shia was talking about, you know, being with these brothers, being with these, uh, friars. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, I was just eating their ice cream. I was just petting yeah. their cats and That's so funny. N- none of them tried to evangelize me at that point. Mm. And I'm so happy that they didn't. They just wanted to enjoy my company. Mm. They weren't asking anything from me or of me. They just were enjoying my company. I was enjoying theirs and we were talking as human beings and he's like, and if they did try to, you know, if, if at the first sitting they tried to evangelize, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but if they tried yeah. to evangelize, I would have a million rebuttals to what they were saying because yeah, I've been would've... training on myself on this. And, yeah. and, but he, he, the reason why it worked and why they were able to reach his heart is because it seemed like nobody was trying to sell him something. I know. And then yeah. he talked about the Latin that was mass. powerful. I know. And how it feels like nobody's trying to sell him I something know. there. Um, but that part in particular where he's like, no, they're just, they just wanted my company. And to your point, mm. um, it's a long game. It's, it's, it's a, it's a long game and you're not going to win it in, in the, in the first half of the first quarter. And no one it, plays a longer game than, I mean, the history of Israel is pretty sticking yeah. long. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're right. You're kind of like, is Jesus going to, is like, you know, God going to intervene for these people at some point? Right. I mean, like, uh, lifetimes, sometimes you don't see the fruit. And I don't know. I think this is something I think about just, like, on some kind of, phys- like, philosophical level. Like, my perspective of what God is doing in this person's soul that I'm honored to be, like, happen to be sharing a little sliver of their life with at this time, my understanding of, like, the perspective and time span of what he's doing in their heart it's really so privileged. Like I, I have no business like questioning the pace or whatever. Like, um, and I I think that's something that, um, people who work in the church, like it's almost, uh, not a temptation, but it, or it's, it's sort of a temptation to pride. I would say if we're being honest, you know, um, but like God is so patient with me. Who am, who am I like, um, to like, okay, hurry up and like move on with this already. Human. You know? Human is the answer, right? I like, know, I, I, but it's, yeah, it's like such a, whew, talk about wounds. That's like one for me. I'm like always trying to like examine and, uh, and bring myself into a place of, um, yeah, like genuine compassion for where, where a person is. And right. I think over time, the more you evangelize, and I see this in the hearts of old, older priests, um, particularly they have like this gentle patience 
this kind of abiding, like in time, it will be okay. Like, and, uh, I think when you're young and you're on fire and you have zeal and you feel like you have the answers, sometimes you do push people away. And, uh, that's something I think we have to be just present, present to the reality of, um, for the sake of the dignity of the other person and, and what they're going through. You oh, know? for sure. It, it does get tougher, um, talking about what we were talking about before with, with kids and, and you do have, oh, the there, urgency. there is, yeah, there is urgency. There yes. is, there, the, the time, you know, the clock is ticking with the amount of exposure you have to them. Yeah. So I, I and you get feel that. the pressure. Yeah. And you're looking at the clock and you're like, okay, I have one more year with this kid before he goes yeah. to college and God knows what he's seeing and hearing and everything else. You, you feel that for sure. Yeah. That's, um, that's tough. That's tough. But like you said, pace, pace, pace is everything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I, like I say, the, the more we talk about this, the more I'm just in awe that like God chose me to be any part of this. Right. Um, you, you just in awe in the sense that I'm so ill-equipped, um, however well-intentioned I am or however, um, whatever talents God's given me, I know they're not enough on their own. And like, it just always reminds me, like, I need to be um, seriously praying for the people that I work with more than I'm doing anything else, like right. more than I'm talking to them, more than I'm like lesson planning. Um, if I'm not like making holy hours and offering rosaries and fasting for them. And, uh, like, I'm not sure any of that other stuff is, is going to hit, um, yeah. you know, effectively. No, I, I get that because we're, we, a lot of times we live in the now, especially, you know, our lives are so busy sometimes where, when we're interacting with an individual, it's easy to say, okay, so I'm here with you now. It's mm. easier to say I'm with you now. You're you're at the front of my mind because I'm looking at you right now. And because of that, now is when I'm going to act. Yeah. And then you go about your day. You don't see them for hours or maybe even days or weeks. Sure. You're in your bed. You're, you're, uh, you're in adoration. It, but to your point, it's like got to make a... And I, I need to do this so much more in my life. I need to make a conscious effort, conscious effort to either make a list. I'll write them, write names down I if do I that. need to. I have to, to do that. Yeah. But yeah. like make, make, make an effort to remember those who I know I need to pray for. Yeah. And that's something I just, I just don't do. I don't yeah. do enough. And it's something that I 100% need to work on. Yeah. Amen. Me too. You know, one thing, one thing that I, I, uh, have have done over time is I usually, my chapel, my chapel is my car. Cause I always have a commute. That's like at least a half hour, 45 minutes, no matter where I've ever worked, I've always had that. And I think that's, uh, God's way of, of forcing me. Cause when you're on the train, you can like zonk, zonk out, uh, read a book, you can fall asleep. But if you're in, in Long Island traffic in your car, these are, uh, I'll get to that in one second, but like, those are moments, um, where you have, you have no choice but to be focused. Um, but you kind of have like the opportunity to, to be doing something else. And so, um, really since college I've used, my car has become that chapel and I'm like looking at your, uh, at your logo here with the rosary. And, uh, I learned this from father Larry Richards, who you may have heard of, but he's, uh, he's like a very fiery priest, but he says like, entrust these people to Mary by name and the rosary um, by saying, Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for John now and at the hour of his death. Amen. Mm. And maybe you offer a decade for John 
And that helps me really integrate on my way to go talk to John or my way home from talking with John, like in the car. Right. Um, so that's, that's the, great. The rosary, like with the name in it has been a huge game changer for me. Um, Listen, it, it really <clears throat> all depends on what highway you're on, whether you need to focus or not. It's so true. Yeah, you know, like we're, we're from Long Island. If you're on the Southern state, you need to focus yes. because at any moment that that will turn into the a on-ramp is like three feet long because right. the thing was made when like horse and buggy was still around, you know, but, terrible. But if you're on the ocean parkway, you, uh, you can empty your mind and you could just go. But, yeah, um, um, but I, I'll, I, I'm the same way. I mean, I started, um, in a different field. I used to be in finance. I'm in a different field now. Mm-hmm. That must've been five years ago, a little, uh, a little over five years ago. And when I transitioned uh, into the new role, the amount of, of windshield time that I have is yep. wild. It, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's absolutely crazy. And there was a point where I was so good at fantasy football <laughs> and, and, and just football yeah. and, and, and like, just I knew everything about football because I was spending that windshield time listening to so many sports podcasts and mm-hmm. I loved it. It was a big passion of mine. And then I interjected one faith podcast versus the four sports one. And then right. that transitioned to two versus three yeah. and then three to two. And then now it's all faith. And then I dropped a couple of faith podcasts and started praying the rosary instead. Mm. Again, some days I don't, but like, but, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like, and you don't like, you know, that's fine. You know, uh, I know I, I beat myself down on that. <laughs> so do too. I, so do I. Um, That's why I'm like, let's not over. <laughs> I know. But, but with that said, it's, it's just like one of those things, like, where's, I love it. Like, where's your chapel? Like, where's your chapel? Mm. Um, you know, I've got four kids running around here at all times. Mm. One scooting, but like, um, so like, it's tough. It's tough to make anywhere in the house a, a chapel because if they're asleep and then it's my only time with my wife. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. like my, my, my windshield, just like you, my car is my chapel. Yeah. So, you know, finding your chapel is so I love that. Un- yeah. unbelievably important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say the other way, I just like these practical things. Like you say, windshield time, right? Um, I always tell my, my teens, they're like, I don't have time to pray. I'm like, first of all, you're 16. It's only going to get busier in life. <laughs> like from yeah. here, the two times though, for sure, if you're from New York and if you're not from New York, you may have less of these times that you are for sure. Um, forced to pause in your day is when you're sitting in traffic mm-hmm. or you're waiting online at the bagel place right. or at Panera or wherever you're going. Cause there's always lines. There's always <laughs> yeah, lines. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I feel like that's God's way of forcing you to stop. Yeah. And be like, instead of wasting the three minutes, you already know that you're getting your ciabatta with whatever, like pesto sauce. Yeah. You made that decision on your way to the thing. Now I'm sitting here and instead of like judging the person in front of me for not getting her money out fast enough, I'm going to be like, you know what? Uh, this is a good moment to pause and pray for John. Cause I told him I'd pray for him. Like you're forced to be standing there doing nothing. Right. So just being mindful and intentional to not just like deaden that time with like scrolling or something. Yeah. Um, I love those little like life hacks for prayer. Um, to just like interject or like you said, in the car and traffic where I love that question of where's your chapel, like where in my day as a, as a stay at home mom or as a priest or as a, like a single person, um, can I, do I already have time that I'm just not availing myself of Right. what the, the most effectively? 
second to that 16 year old give me your iphone open up the screen time app because i want to see how much time you spent in the last Ooh. week on all of these apps next time challenge them on that i can't, <laughs> next time they tell I can't you. even look at my own screen time i, I really know. don't i it's like a trigger for me i can't look at it no i know uh, the, the little notification pops up you're down five minutes from last week i'm like versus the hours yeah. that i spent on it that's phenomenal i know stuff. like uh, your productivity like with each of the apps that you've had opened oh yeah yeah, I don't like looking at that I don't, stuff either. I, it's, I know awareness is a good thing. I like can't, I can't let myself do it. But. Yeah, listen, that's fine. Um, <laughs> listen, we, we've we been, I can I can go for the next I three know, hours to be completely honest with a, you. Yeah. Um, but in, and we'll, we'll I definitely want to have you back. Maybe if it's for Shia, if not another, sure. uh, more, more episodes. You're more yeah. than welcome to come back. Thank you. But from the topic that we're talking about, foundation and kids, Catholic school, is there anything that's, mm. that's off the top, off the top of your head that, you definitely wanted to touch on and if not some just final words before we close out tonight yeah um just uh like have a catechism on your table you know um i think again the why questions the how to pray the why these things um are so concisely beautifully um laid out for us in question and answer form in this book that like i think we don't avail ourselves of nearly enough. All the answers are there. So I would say as an encouragement to whoever, you know, at any stage in life, if you feel like you need a little, um, we all could really grow by, by having that, but, but like making that part of your vernacular of things that you maybe just reference in a day to day thing that comes to mind because I, I think that's underutilized. And to that point, um, I don't know if you know that father Mike Schmitz is going to do the catechism oh, in a yeah. year, which is so great. That's awesome. So starting this coming year. So I, I think that's a great place to start. That's very practical for any person in any walk of life is just like, let's learn the language of our faith. For sure. Um, yeah. I, I mean, because I mean, to your point before, relationship is is so much and, and, and creating that relationship with God, with others to help build their relationship, to help mm-hmm. to let them help you build your relationship with God. Very important. But at the end of the day, there are rules and there, there are there there are answers to why and what a resource i mean that that's something also i need to take more advantage me of, too for sure yeah um but outside of that i mean i'm just congratulations on the on the new role on on the thanks uh, on everything that you have to look forward to with uh, transitioning from the high school to the younger kids thank you i need your prayers uh, yeah. <laughs> please pray for listeners please pray please i, I mean yeah. i mean pause the podcast if you can if you're listening just pause the podcast for for 30 seconds, uh, pray for our, our friend Teresa here because, um, you know, she's got a big task ahead of her, but, uh, I, I have all the confidence in the world that you are going to absolutely do amazing in the role that you have here. And we'll Thanks. absolutely be praying for you. Thank you so much. It's yeah. been a pleasure. Yeah. All right, everybody. Again, thank you so much for downloading today's episode. Once again, all the episodes, make sure that you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Uh, don't forget to check us out on Instagram at justaparishioner, facebook.com slash justaparishioner. And you can shoot us an email at weareparishioners at gmail.com. Uh, one more final thank you to our sponsors. Just want to make sure I get it right. At Religious Rose Coffee and religiousrosecoffee.com. Phenomenal, phenomenal small Catholic business. So please give them your support. Uh, don't forget that we are praying for you and please pray for us. God bless. I'm carrying up myself.